Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where I take the week's news that can be confusing, misleading, and take you off course. And I make that financial news actionable, understandable, and clear. We got a great one for you. No surprise. Delighted to bring you the financial news this week. We're going to look at a Wall Street Journal article that outlines private investments, something called Reg D offerings of pooled investment funds and the dangers they can bring to you, the investor. We're going to look at why more and more Americans are breaking up with their parents' banks. And should you do the same? Are you letting dogma or the shadow of mother or father dictate what you're doing? You shouldn't do that. And then, yes, yes, folks, I keep hitting the gong, but the Wall Street Journal keeps feeding me these softball pitches. Headline, international stocks outperform U.S. peers. Stocks of overseas companies appeared relatively cheap even after a recent rally. So Wall Street Journal. And then if we have time, I just don't know if we'll have time, we'll look at some Davos elite predictions that were wrong, which the headline itself may be sufficient for you, but uh, it's always worth a chuckle and a reminder that even those in the know, so we think, don't make the right decision. So at the top, Wall Street Journal, Jason's wig, one of our favorites, headline in Iowa Farmers' $900,000 investing mistake, brokers and financial advisors are steering clients to assets that don't trade. Such securities can often be dodgy, sometimes lose all their value, and getting out is a lot harder than getting in. So the article begins with what I feel is an important place for it to begin, the soil that these things enter into. So Zwig writes, over the past two years, bonds have lost almost 15% and stocks have barely gained 5%. Whipsawing investors along the way, that's what markets do. As a result, Zwig writes, financial firms are pile driving their clients into assets that have no market. This is a nut stat. Over the past two years, investors bought an astonishing $878.9 billion in so-called Reg D private offerings of debt and equity that don't trade. So let's back up and make sure we understand what's going on here. Zwig is rightfully bringing this to the fore by saying there is a certain type of soil where these private investment funds, these Reg D offerings, they grow. They grow really well. And the soil for that is dissatisfaction the investor has with plain old vanilla, which would be bonds losing 15%. That probably spooked people the most. When I see over the last two years stocks gain 5%, I think that's pretty good. Considering all we went through, hey, 5% over the last two years, not so bad. But it's really the, that retiree group and others, when they look at their fixed income bond holdings that go down 15%, they are looking for someone, somewhere to offer them relief. And here come the blood-sucking salesman. So the pitch that these folks are, are given, these sweet retirees typically is, hey, do you not enjoy seeing your holdings fluctuate up and down throughout the day? Would you like to ensure that you make money all the time, every time? Get with us. Have I got a deal for you? And, old, and a lot of times they've stopped listening after that. They are so desperate to um, find security and ultimately unsecure things, but they so want to hear what that salesman has to say that they're in. And I've, I've seen this myself uh, doing some work for a lawyer who was a receiver for uh, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission for a company that 
basically defrauded a bunch of folks. But what happens is these these commission sales agents, the article continues, they earn fees in excess of 10%. So so let's say I'm a salesman, I'm just crushing, I, 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 I sell a million bucks of this stuff, I might make a hundred grand, a hundred grand on that. So we have salesmen that are ready to go. We have we have these investors who are desperate for anything that can relieve them of this stock and bond you know, fluctuation. And then you just have time. And so how in the world are you going to dodge this? The Robert Hunt Financial Market Update is not going to hurt you. So send this to your favorite retiree or anyone else who might be at risk of these private placements of debt, equity, or other assets that quote unquote don't move in sync. So we have some really sad stories. The one that at the top you heard was this Jeff Temeher, 64 years old, semi-retired farmer in Independence, Iowa. In 2016, he invested in private debt and equity in a Texas cancer treatment facility offered by a local broker, Dana Vietor. Mr. Temeher, who says he was told he would earn at least 8% annually, alarm bells are going off. Alarm bells are going off. 8% annually, you crazy. Invested more than 900 grand in all, only to learn that the securities were near worthless. Now, why were my alarm bells going off? Do you remember what Bernie Madoff offered? He offered 8% fixed. Can you imagine? You know, um, it just, it, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You have to look at the, what the U.S. Treasury, that's, what's fi- that's fixed. That's a fixed investment. Anything over U.S. Treasuries deserves scrutiny. So when anyone starts using language like, oh, yeah, and they, the language could have been loose. Oh, just, you know, 8% a year. That's, it's at least that. It's kind of a, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, no. That deserves scrutiny. Um, they later go on to say this Vietor, Mr. Vietor, Dana Vietor, was barred for life by FINRA. Um, in November 22, FINRA, they ordered Mr. Vietor to pay Mr. Timmer and 10 other investors a total of $5.7 million in damages. Mr. Vietor, who knows where he is. Uh, Jill Chester, Chester, 79, of Muncie, Indiana, inherited a basket of private offerings in her husband's IRA after he died in 2020. They, too, have turned out to be worthless, says her attorney. Um, She got awarded $420,000 in damages. Um, You dig deeper into these investments, and you you see which rules were violated. One of the rules violated is know what you're investing in. Do these folks know what they're investing in? They did not. Mr. Vietor, he was this, this slick Rick um, broker. He was an owner and manager of a cancer facility. He got his clients to invest in, even though he had no experience doing it. So, but these clients also didn't know how to run and operate a cancer facility. This may sound um, like too high a bar, but I want my clients when they invest in something to, if the operator of that offering died, they could operate it themselves. That's the standard I believe we should have. Now, that may not work every time, but that means if this guy dies, you have to run the cancer facility. Can you run a cancer facility? You cannot. That means you can't invest in this. If that, that's that circle of competence Buffett talks about. If you cannot do it yourself, what makes you think you can evaluate others who can do it? You're not going to know the right questions to ask. You're not going to know where the trap doors are. So this article goes on and on and just says, there are people who want to sell now. And they, they, there is no market for this stuff. It, uh, a lot of these people were sold trinkets. There's just not a whole lot you can do. There's the marketplace is not liquid. All those protections that happen in public markets, not to be had on these Reg D offerings. So beware. Beware of yourself first. This is going to sound harsh, but it takes two to tango. You and I have to first 
be in a very desperate place emotionally, which can happen with money. Fear and greed are super powerful. We then have to think maybe too much of ourselves. We can understand this. We know what we're doing. Take that posture of humility. Invest in what you know. And the Almighty Index Fund is a great option for what you know. Next article, Fighting the Current, Why More and More Young Americans Are Breaking Up With Their Parents' Banks. This, is, this always makes me feel old. Move over, millennials. Gen Z is ready to share the spotlight when it comes to shaping the consumer landscape. Uh-oh, I already have to move out of the way. In my client meetings, I'm, I have to explain what the late 90s was now. I'll drop words like America AOL, America Online. I'll explain what that was, what that kind of frothy period of investing was. So I admit it. I'm a millennial. Gen Z is shaping things. Maybe we're not anymore. But I thought this article was important because... Uh, a lot of what we do from a finance perspective is dogma. We are simply doing what our parents did. Now, this is not an indictment on your parents, but I can just tell you from my own experience, I buy Colgate toothpaste because I think it was my grandparents that had it at their house when I was growing up, and I loved it. In beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma, it was the best. I just love that Colgate toothpaste. So I buy it. I buy ivory soap. Because my parents bought it. I use Perp Plus. There are all these things. I don't know why I do them. I use Tide. It's just like, ah, uh, you just, I'd say on that stuff, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But do you know we do the same thing with our finances? Oh, yeah, them parents are JP Morgan. Why not? You know, what could be, what could go wrong? Everything could go wrong. Everything. So be willing to scrutinize yourself. This is not your parents' fault, this is not their problem. They, they operated with the best information they had at the time, and they, they did what they did. You've got to own your own decisions. And that's, yeah, they probably did something different from their parents, too, by the way. Um, it says that Gen Z, millennials, we value low fees. That's true. That's true. But it's digital capabilities that we value a lot as well. So when you're looking at a bank, I, I look at fees, and I say, okay, that, of course, matters a lot. I look at interest rates. Of course, that matters a lot. You have to ask yourself, do you value service? Does that matter a lot to you? But be willing to have that conversation and say, you know what? I don't think I need to be at this. And typically, it's a big old mainline bank that my dad set up a kitty account for me when, he, when I was two. Thank you so much for that. But I, I want to really bring the market to bear. I really want to see what would be best for me. Uh, and in my own experience, it's typically a hybrid approach. It's typically, you know, what what do I do? You guys know what I do probably, but... I use all sorts of little tools. I wish I could. I wish there was one bank to rule them all, but I like, I like a community bank with great service. So I, there's a, there are a couple banks in town that do that. Either a Benchmark or a Pegasus, or just you call someone, they don't treat you like a number. You show up to the drive-through lane, they they act like they've met you before. So there's that. But then hey, if you want to park cash somewhere with a higher rate, maybe you need an online bank, maybe Capital One 360. That's what I'll use. You get 3.3% on your money now. Or you use your, your brokerage account like a Vanguard to get that 4.2%. All of a sudden, well, what about credit cards? Well, I use Capital One. Maybe that's not great, but it's, there's a little inertia there. Just be willing to build out your own, your, your own list of what's best for you. And it takes a little work. It's going to be annoying that one time you set it up, but it's going to pay incredible dividends over a lifetime if you set it up right. Use a financial advisor. This is part of what I do is I think it's hard emotionally a lot of times to move what we've done to be hard to get me off my Colgate toothpaste and my tie just because I've got this peculiar familiarity with it that just keeps me buying it. I think that I think that can happen with us with financial products. So be willing to introduce someone into the conversation who can kind of redirect your thinking. 
So this article just talks about oh stuff I don't care about, which, you know. <laughs> we don't get into politics a lot here on the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update, but um, a lot of these in the article it describes people um, for ESG reasons they're going to banks. They want to find banks that value certain people in a certain way and make people feel good. I don't think about that. I think about, are you a great bank for me? That's what I'm thinking about. Um, I think that's what you should think about. So uh, be willing to take the time. Do it. Invite someone in the conversation. And you know, you know I've been just banging this gong because it had been a sermon I've been preaching. Um, the, the, the audience in the church had basically fallen asleep at this point um, because I'd been preaching it for, for, for years. This international stock versus U.S. stock problem. U.S. stocks had this you know 17-year run or so. That's, that's like three investing lifetimes for most people in our attention span world. You know, for TikTok viewers, that's like 50 investment time spans. If you really want to gauge, you know, for YouTube, maybe it's 30. You know, I don't know that attention span thing. But 17 years is a long time to stick with an asset class that's underperforming. I get it. But here we go. We've been waiting for this. Wall Street Journal article by Hannah Miao. International stocks outperform U.S. peers. Stocks of overseas companies appeared relatively cheap even after a recent rally. U.S. stocks are climbing in 2023, the article says. Shares of companies abroad are performing even better. The MSCI all-country world, except for the USA index, which tracks developed emerging market stocks, has rallied 7.4% in 2023, beating the S&P's 3.9% gain. The three months ended Tuesday. The international stock index is up 21%, while the broad U.S. index is, is not. It's only 8.5% higher. So think about what's going on, investor. You remember these sermons. It's like it's like being a child. Remember that camp you went to where that pastor said that thing, and then we finally find ourselves eating the pods with the pigs and thinking, you know what? I think I need that international exposure after all. I can, I'm going to go back to my father's house and buy those international stocks. That's what's happening. So if you've been whole hog U.S., no, you, no international stocks. I don't need it, Robert. I don't need it. I don't need it. That's okay. I've, I've mentioned Buffett and Bogle are cool with that. I don't know that you're going to survive the headlines over the next 10 years. Hope so. But let's you know, invest simply, invest low cost, invest broadly. That includes having exposure to international stocks so that it creates a portfolio of permanence. You want a portfolio that you can stick with no matter what. No matter what. That to me is one of the greatest gifts a financial advisor can give for you is to set you up with a financial situation with incredible permanence. To me, it's not an optimization game. Optimization game is old hat, tired, doesn't work. Because if, if it's optimal, but it's optimal for only two months, how optimal is that? You need a financial plan of permanence. In my mind, that means it's got to be low cost. It's got to be simple, understandable. It's got to be long-term oriented. It's got to be really diversified. So this article goes into all these things about <clears throat> international stocks, have cheaper earnings multiples, yada, yada, yada. Eh, that's all whatever. I don't, I mean... All that stuff's fine. I wouldn't rotate into international stocks or out of them for any reason. I think you just got to find that etiology. For me, it's broad-based market cap investing, meaning we're just going to invest in it all. We're not going to worry about it. And here you go. Here's what the article says. Investors poured a net $2.3 billion into international equity funds in the week ended Wednesday, This the biggest weekly inflow since April. Meanwhile, they yanked a net $3.2 billion from domestic funds over the same period. So, uh-oh. It's happening. That's what we warned against. You don't want to, yo, oh, what's going on? You don't, you don't want to chase this stuff. Just set it up and forget it. Be done. Be done with it. Don't, don't keep fighting this thing. And then we'll, 
Well, because it's one of our favorite things to do. The experts know nothing. This is Sylvia Amaro from CNBC, the Davos elite. Like to make bold predictions, but they don't always get them right. Uh-huh. And this article, I'll put it in the show notes. But basically, it's um, people predicted Europe would fall into the ocean and never come back. And wouldn't you know it, Europe, despite this invasion with Ukraine, the CD Group CEO Jane Fraser at this panel a while back said she just thinks the whole thing go to pot. I think much more concerning for Europe that is right in the middle of the storms from supply chains, from the energy crisis, and just the proximity of the atrocities occurring in Ukraine. Ask whether there'll be a recession in Europe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I hope I'm wrong. Well, the EU has escaped a recession. Uh-oh. Sure hope we didn't listen to Citibank CEO for our investing advice, George Soros, in 2018. Uh, he warned in a speech that the U.S. would be heading for nuclear war with North Korea. The U.S. is heading for it. Um, Obama administration also said back in 2016 it was a top security risk. And we just haven't seen a lot from there. That could always happen. FTX crash. So uh, cryptocurrency was rocky in 2017, but uh, Brett Harrison, who served as a president of FTX, told Davos Elite in 2022 the company was in a very good spot regarding capital and was looking at acquisitions. Well, the U.S. arrested the Sam Bankman-Fried. So the Davos thing didn't work. And here we go. 2019, Jeff Schumacher, founder of BCG Digital Ventures, said that the price of Bitcoin could sink to zero. And it didn't. So you know me, I, I'm, I'm no fan of Bitcoin, but zero? Who, who, how could anyone know that? So this is just, there's more stuff in here too. Um, but just, this stuff gets pushed on us, this, whatever the Davos elite or say. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll tell you what to worry about. Worry about keeping your cost low. Keep that time horizon long. Keep that investing simple. That is what's going to give you the best shot in your investing journey. Before you have me tune in next time.